The Wetmon Podcast is produced by Dr. Stacia Munn and brought to you by Alt Energy Solar Solutions. Solar energy with a national experience and hometown service. Galactic Rentals, impressive, most impressive, and Vera Wine Project. Venture, revel, share. The Wetmon Podcast is intended for mature audiences and adults with questionable morals. And now for the show. Okay, three, two, one. Game time. Will Wetmore. John Munn. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. I had a great, great week. Yeah, I can't, I can't agree more. Summer's here, buddy. June, June in Boise is one of the true delights of life. Yeah. Did you? Is this your first week off? Uh, it is my first full week off. So wow. I'm. Um, I was. I started June eighth was my last day of work. I literally have. I don't go back till August eighth. I literally have two months off. Um, worked, left work Friday, drove up to. McCall, my wife, turned 40 years old. My beloved, beautiful bride, Stacia, turned 40 on Thursday, drove up there, and just had an incredible weekend. You were missed. Um, weather wasn't great, but the friendships and just hanging out and partying was fantastic. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm bummed I missed it, but I had a good weekend of being in Boise when everybody was out of town. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with all of you idiots. Yeah. Sometimes so- that's really nice. So I got a ton of work done. Um, we worked on some of my Veer wine. What's uh, what? Give us a little uh, little sneak preview. What are we looking at? So I was working on my 2017 GSM Red Blend from Red Mountain, and I uh, what's GSM? It stands for Grenache Syrah Movedra. It's delicious. It um, tastes really good. I was all I was doing was basically taking all the wine from from barrel from 2017, pulling it out and putting it into new barrels. Um, just to kind of get some of the sediment out of those barrels for this first racking. I'll probably rack it again in another six months, then do our final blend and bottle it up. So far, so good? So far, so good. Great. I think it's it's coming along just, just where it needs to be. Sweet. Hey, Will. Hey, John. Who uh, Who's the guy sitting across the table from you? Um, That would be Bardis. <laughs> Bardis. That's hey, guys. M- Marcus Belcher. He's not Bardis. Marcus Belcher. How's it going? Good. Marcus is uh, probably, three of us are probably about as close as friends can get these days. We hang out we're the quite three best a bit. friends that anybody could have. Agreed. Um, sidebar that no one's going to get listening to this podcast is I called Steve Bardis. And he's uh, <laughs> like, I'm not Bardis. It's really weird. And Marcus it, isn't Bardis either. I know. No, there is no, no I, I am Bardis. Yeah. Oh, you are Bardis. Yeah. Joe, my, my best friend from home and I were Bardis, but... You you call him Bardis. I thought you called Big Steve Bardis. I call him Bardis every time I see him. Yeah, yeah. but I think when I I think it annoys him. I oh, I think really? it definitely annoyed him. I mean, not like <laughs> no, no, he's not, not angry. annoyed by that. He's not angry. No, he was like, I'm not Bardis. Like <laughs> I think he was because I was there. He was like, I'm not Bardis. Like, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So, yeah, we'll get into we'll get into Marcus in more depth here shortly. But Will, uh, you got a bottle of wine in front of you. Yeah, I got a. A bottle of wine I'm actually really excited about because um, it's something different. It's something that I discovered in Spain back in 20... Last year. Last year when I walked the Camino de Santiago. Um, so in Spain, it's a huge wine region. It's probably like the third, fourth biggest producer of wine in the world. And most of the wine there is Tempranillo, which I think we did a podcast on Tempranillo. We did. Um, and the reason... I got this wine because it's Spanish wine and Bardis, Marcus loves um, Spanish wine. So I thought I'd get him something different. So this wine. Do you love Spanish women also? Who doesn't? Uh, who's your favorite? Yes. Sidebar. Yes. Who's your favorite Spanish woman? Um, well, just because you said that randomly, the first person that came up in my mind was Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is she, she's not from Spain. Where's well, she from? Sorry, that is dumb. You're right. <laughs> Latino. I thought she was, Latino, I, I thought she was from Spain. I don't think so. I, I think I think you're from. Uh, who is who is? Uh, um, that was a terrible response. In I in no, that's what I was thinking too. But Selma Hayek, beautiful. Who was in in uh, Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise? Vanilla oh, Cruz. Vanilla Cruz. Cruz. Is she Spanish? She is. I think she's very very beautiful. Yeah, she is very beautiful. Um. 
Where were we? Spanish women? No, S- Spanish wine. <laughs> so <laughs> Camino del Santiago. Camino de Santiago. Me and my wife walked it last summer, and we didn't get to the wine taste as much as we thought we were going to, mainly because the Camino doesn't really walk through the main region of the Rioja where a lot of the Tempranillo's grown. But when we got close to the end, we were walking through this region called Bierzo. It's in the northwest corner of Spain. And there was a winery right on the path. So we stopped in, tried wines, and I was blown away by this grape variety called Mencia. And um, ever since I had it, I've been always, when I got back to the U.S., I was like, I need to find some of that Mencia grape. Every wine shop I went to was like, don't have any Mencia Spanish wines. Are they familiar with it up here? Or they, they... The people that I talked to had never heard of it. My really? the, the the owner of my winery had never heard of it. Um a lot of people had never heard of it, so I was what? really happy when I went into the co-op wine shop a couple months ago, and I saw there was three bottles of Mencia wines from Bierzo, so I figured this would be a treat for me, because I want to try it again, because I haven't tried it since I was walking the Camino, yeah. and for Bardis, because he likes Spanish wine, so hopefully he likes this Spanish wine. But Before you pour us uh, some glasses, what um, what were you impressed with? Why did it impact you so much? Well... It was, it's a lot more aromatic and elegant than Tempranillo, I would say. Um, it's got good acidity, good balance. Um, so it's got a lot of these structure things that I like. What's that noise? I don't know. Um, Is it your phone? Maybe. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things I like about it, how just the structure of it is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it also could be that I was walking through Spain, having the time of my life. And who knows, maybe that just that psychology of being in this tiny little town in the yeah, middle sure. of nowhere right, right, just right, right. made it that much better. So I'm curious to see what we, what we pop open here okay. and see what it tastes like. Let's do it. So this wine's called Petalos, which I'm, I'm assuming means petals. Um, it's from Descendientes de J. Palacios. And how close did you come by? Come relatively close to this place? Do you have any idea? Yeah, we walked right through this region. I don't. I don't remember this specific winery. Sure. There's only less. There's less than a hundred wineries in this area. Um, less than hundred wineries, and most of them are small. They're not exporting. They're not commercial. Thank you. Um, from my quick internet research, this winery is actually one of the oldest wineries. Wow. Okay. So, I'm gonna give a little shout out. Why? Why Will's born? We're gonna give a little shout out to. The Boise Co-op Wine Shop, where Will got this. Yeah. Got this wine. And yeah, so we, were this, do, we were doing a tasting there today. Right. Yeah, I came by. We came by. Um, so you... Is this so? This is the first time in, in kind of the Treasure Valley that you've found Mencia grapes? Yeah, it's the first time. So I want you guys to drink it first. Okay. Here we go. What's it? What am I... What are you smelling over there, Marcus? I'm not a good person to ask for that. It's hard for me to describe that. Do you like the smell? Yeah, either am I. I have a garbage palate. That's why I asked you. Oh, this is fucking awesome. It smells, to me, it's like kind of like dark fruit. There's almost a little bit of earthiness to it, maybe. A little, a little pepper, a little spice. Pepper, a little spice. Mm, good acidity. Yeah, it's great. Tannins dry your mouth out a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's very tanniny. I think this will age fairly well. And this is an entry-level bottle of wine. This is a $20 bottle of yep. wine. Um, actually, this got a 92 point on Robert Parker's Wine Advocate, who's a really big deal in the wine rating mm-hmm. industry, I guess. Um, but it's also, that's a killer value. 20 bucks for a 92 point yeah, this wine. Is, this is awesome. Yeah, like it, it does. Maybe it's psychological because, like you were saying, but it does feel like a Spanish style wine. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel or doesn't taste like the other wines that I've had recently, like at your house or mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago when we were traveling. Yeah, that's I, I really like this. Uh, Will, tell us more. What are, what are we tasting? What are we experiencing? Um, I think you're tasting a wine that's really nicely balanced. So balance between kind of those fruit components, those dark fruit components, mm-hmm. 
um, right when it hits your mouth, you kind of get this nice, almost tart acidity on the yep. sides of your mouth. Yep. And then it kind of finishes out dry mm-hmm. and kind of entices you to take another sip of it. Yeah. To kind of refresh your, it is. refresh, it is. refresh yeah. your, mm-hmm. that, that, the salivary, salivary glands. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a, uh, doesn't, it's not like a heavy red, doesn't, it's not like thick. It's very like crisp. It's, ba- it's very balanced. Yeah. yeah. I th- would you describe it as kind of s- almost fruity and yeah, sweet? Yeah. I think it's, I think a it's very fruity. Mm-hmm. Um, not sweet, but the I don't, fruit is like. I don't pick up a ton of oak on it, mm-hmm. which is not surprising. Usually entry level wines are not going to be bombarded with a lot of new oak or heavy oak because I will steel then? maybe a lot of stainless steel or maybe more used oak. So you don't, you don't have the cost of new barrels. Um, is oaky like, is oakiness a uh, desirable trait in a lot of wines? I think a, a, a nice addition of oak is a good balance to the fruit flavors of wine. So you gotcha. get, you can get okay. some vanilla flavor, some oh, okay. smoke. So, so you can complexity yeah, gotcha. from, from wine. Like a lot of those, you know, big big wineries are not oaking, putting that much oak on their wine, or mass-produced wines, I'd say. Um, so yeah, the, the, I'm very happy that I still like it. So it kind of holds up a little bit, matches yeah. matches the image you had. And I, I mean, ever since I tried it, I was like, I, when I got back to the U.S. and I was talking to Tim, I was saying, you know, if we ever want to plant plant some some grapes and try something different, maybe we should try to get these Mencia grapes. I've I've done some research on the internet, seeing if any nurseries have this grape, and I have oh, not really? have not found any nurseries that are selling this in the U.S. So it might be a long process to get it to the U.S. Um, Why do you think that is? Do you, do you have any? Do you have a? Do you have? Do you have a hypothesis? Or well, guess it's, or? it's a small region in Spain. It's gotcha. so far mm-hmm. away, and I think I think Spanish winemakers are just kind of rediscovering this region. Oh. It is. A, I mean, it is an old region. I, right. Eighty percent of the vines there are over 50 year 50 years old so they're old vines um but i think for a lot of a lot of time in spain they were making you know more bulk wine cheap wine just you know wine everyday wine and i think there's been kind of a renaissance people want to make higher quality wines so they're putting more effort in to make higher quality wines so i think it's a people in that region are starting to recognize it people in spain are starting to recognize it and you know, the more wine writers talk about this grape and taste this grape, you know, it could it could blow up. Yeah, let's fucking do it. What do we? What it, could it grow in this region? I think it could. That's and that's one of the reasons that I was interested in maybe planting it because it's so it's grown in the Spirito region, which region which is higher elevation um, than high, like high desert, like here, high desert kind of mountainous almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Idaho is one of the highest wine regions, highest elevation wine regions in the world. Um, so it's got hot days, cool nights, right. which is good. Um, the only difference I was seeing in kind of the climate is the soil, soil profile. Um, their clay were sand, sand and volcanic. Um, but we irrigate, so I think that'd be okay. They're, they're, so when so, let me back up. Clay soils hold a lot of moisture. Okay. So if you have a like a area that's really dry the clay will hold a lot of the rain from the from the spring and you won't need to irrigate because the, the soil will have moisture in it. Whereas a sandy area, all that water is going to drain. So you need to keep giving it water throughout the year. Right. So, I mean, we irrigate, so it should grow just fine because we can give it water when it needs water. That's my two cents. <laughs> okay, great. Um, where, what, when, what do we drink this with? When do we drink it? What, what do we need to know? What are our takeaways for our home, folks at home? Um, I think this would be, this red wine is, seems very versatile since it's so balanced. I mean, you could you could do it with a steak if you wanted to. You could do it by itself. You could, you know, anything off a grill would be great. Lamb would be delicious. Um, I think you enjoy this at a, a dinner. You, you, um, you bring it to a party of wine snobs to impress them. Yeah. So where uh, where would our friends how, spell Mencia? Um, Carlos Mencia, M E N C I A. C I A. Oh, it's not Loggins and Mucina. It's not a. Okay, M E N C I A, Messina, Mencia, 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 like the comedian. Yep. That's what you guys just said that. Yeah. Is it Fluffy? Is that the guy? Fluffy guy. That's in Gla- 
Gabriel Iglesias or something. I don't know. I don't know. Carlos Mencia. Can okay. I, he, can I yeah. ask a question? Yeah. Um, so you, in describing that style of wine where the grapes are grown with the clay, so being that it's very volcanic here in Idaho, do we get a lot more, a lot of like, is it very minerally? Like the grapes have a high acidic and mineral like, yeah. value to that's, them? Yeah, uh, that's one of the kind of the signatures of volcanic soil is kind of acidity and minerality. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it's different. It's not, it's not like every wine, right? but it's, it's kind of a cool, but that gives it some staying power. Like mm-hmm. most of the wines produced in a volcanic like largely volcanic soil is this such high acidity that it allows it to like stay on the shelf and actually get better yeah. no ma- almost no matter what style it is. It seems like, yeah, when you have, when you have wines that have a good pH and lots of acid, they'll age a lot better than wines that are low in acid and high pH. Yeah. Just the, the chemistry of the wine will help it age and not. So even the turn. whites, like the whites that yeah. we produce, even where whites. normally you wouldn't want to age whites typically, it seems like, but with that high acidity and pH, like you talked about, like those wines are able to like stay, on the shelf and almost get better. Not almost, they do get better. I think, I, yes, I some, right. some will, yeah. some won't, but yeah. Gotcha. Sweet. Uh, Mencia wine drink from it. Spain. We're going to take a little break and uh, we're going to come back with our buddy, Marcus Belcher. Artist. Marcus Wade Belcher. Hey, that's me. How's it going? Hey, hey boys. Good. Uh, before we, before we get into the interview, I'm going to make this about me. Um, duh. And, duh. In September, Marcus and his amazing blushing bride asked Stacia and I to marry them. And it was probably one of the coolest fucking experiences in my life. Um, is one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Yeah. is great. Same here. Yep. Best day of my life. It was the best day. Are you just saying that? <laughs> and I even, uh, I even broke my leg and it was still one of the best experiences in my life. Oh. Man, we thought we really thought you were. We thought you broke your head open too. Yep. Yeah, Jim kept saying I like fell and hit the stove. You were you were about two inches from hitting your head on the wood stove. That would have been weird if I died. Yeah, and you apparently I wasn't inside, but you were just screaming, just uh, yeah. Uh, it took it took four people to carry him back yes. into his trailer, and <laughs> the best part was when we like got in and woke Stacia up. She was. Not amused. No, she was pissed. And then, and then about thirty minutes later, we had a dislocated knee, and then on the dance floor. So, whoa, it's wild. <laughs> so good. And then, uh, don't forget about the the uh, roadkill deer that was harvested. Correct. Yes, yes, by Will Dunaway and Ben Warren. So, uh, do we? I don't understand. Who pulls over and looks at a deer that's I, dead? A vet does. Yeah, I, I think. I, I don't remember, but I think they may have witnessed that animal being hit by a car. Well, don't you think the car would have been there that hit it? Like, I wouldn't have fucking stopped. Well, well I mean, they went past and then went because they went out there at like eleven thirty at night. Like it, it was, wasn't like it wasn't a big deer either, right? It was a not sure. Was that on the way out of the out of the? Party? It was somewhere on the road. Yeah, on the way uh, on the, Smiley on the, Lane. On the somewhere dirt, on Smiley on, Lane. On Smiley. Yeah. Yeah, Mother it's a mystery. Fucker. Well, and so Ben ate his meat in the morning, and then Will did he, did he beat his meat? He beat it and he ate it. Uh, That's uh, disgusting. Whoops, <laughs> that didn't go well together. Um, and then um, Will Dunaway woke up in the morning with his meat <laughs> and some leg meat, like basically the legs of the deer, on top of his truck, and Phyllis was. She wasn't real amused by that, and Will was a little hungover and was like, "Oh God!" And it was pouring rain. And what did I? What did I do? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Phyllis is like, "Not again!" Yeah. <laughs> so many, so many carcasses strapped to this car. Right, right. Marcus Wade Belcher. That's that's my name. You're from Michigan. Yep. Uh, Phyllis, in what's the best thing about Michigan? Um, all the water for sure. For me personally, like I can't speak for all Michiganders, but for me, it was all the water, the big lakes, the inland lakes, the rivers, just so much water. It's great. I love swimming. I love being in water. So it definitely helped me to accomplish those things that I love, those goals that I love. Are you a good swimmer? 
Um, I can swim. I don't know if I'm a good swimmer. He's got the frame for it. He does. I was going to say. So our friends at home that are listening, Marcus is 6'3", big beard. 210 pounds? 210. Mm, probably more like 219, 220 right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big beard. Half it's in the beard. Yeah. Uh, very handsome, tan man um, who played college volleyball, correct? Yes, I did. Yep. So you kind of have a um, circuitous route through through college walk us walk us through how you went through school and uh graduated when you were 27 graduated when you're 27 um so i went to school for the amount of time that normally people would go to school to become doctors so i was in school for about for basically not basically for eight years and um i i will say to like tommy boy right right Exactly. Most people think about that. Think about that particular movie when I do bring that up. Um, I went to school for eight years. Yeah, but when in They're high, called doctors. Exactly. In high school, well, I ended up marrying one, so I did. I think I, I'm still a doctor. You're an MD. School. Yeah, yeah. In high school, I was terrible, terrible student. Didn't apply myself. It wasn't that I couldn't get good grades. I just didn't care. At a certain and, point, if you don't get good grades, does it mean that you can't? No, I think I could, I, I know I could have gotten good grades. I just wanted to hang out and play sports. That's all I cared about. And so when I graduated from high school, there's a school in my hometown called Ferris State University. For all you hockey fans, Chris Kunitz went to Ferris State University, helped us to get to the national championship that year. Ferris Bueller State or just Ferris State? Have, yeah, by the way, we have a big cool. hockey fan listening group. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, sure. We, we know one person. I'm just hoping. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I went to went to that went to went to Ferris, excuse me, and got my grades up after high school and transferred. Got accepted to IPFW, which is where I played volleyball. Although I would say I did not play; I just rode the bench. And yeah. Uh, yeah, IPFW is in for those of you that are like, what IPFW? What is that? It's Indiana University, Purdue University at Fort Wayne. So it's a satellite school, if you will. Um, and I went. To, I was an IU student while I was there, and I uh, played, practiced with them for two years, <laughs> and then uh, transferred back to Ferris, which that, would have been in my fourth year. Was of that to, college. to play volleyball, or did Ferris State not have volleyball? Uh, they did, but it was a club team. Gotcha. Um, so went back to Ferris. My fourth year. Didn't really declare a major. Fifth year, declared the major. Three years later, I graduated. What was your major? I was outdoor recreation and leadership management. All right, so that kind of opened the door for your yeah for your next chapter. Yep. At that point, it only took me four years to figure it out. But at that point, I realized I wanted to do something that allowed me to be outside and still be somewhat in a teaching capacity. And I didn't know what kind of teacher or, or I guess what kind of teacher I wanted to be, but I knew I wanted to be outside and hopefully be a teacher of some kind and eventually maybe coach too, which now I'm lucky enough to do. You've, you've achieved both your goals. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So, uh, after graduation, <clears throat> hanging out in Michigan mm-hmm. and you reach a turning point in your life. Right. Uh, so at that point, I was working at a YMCA camp, an outdoor education center that was owned by the YMCA, and it was called Storer Camp. <laughs> and it's hard to say, and people would make fun of it. Strover? Storer, like S-T-O-R-E-R. Storer. Pan? 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 P-A-M-N. Balm? 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 Um. And so I was working there for two years. And the first year and a half, it was so awesome. And the group of people that were there were great. And then the last year and a half, most of those people left except for a few. And the just the the people that were there, it was just, it wasn't great. And I was starting to get to the point in my life where I was like, I have to get out of Michigan. And something needs to change or I'm not going to be a happy camper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you truly do. You re- do you remember that feeling distinctly? Like, oh, yeah, get the fuck out of here. It was like a light switch. Yeah, it was within huh. like a, a couple days. 
Yeah. I remember the day that I actually was like kind of epiphany style, if you will. Yeah, sure. And I called my best buddy, Bardas, who his name's Joe Ware, actually. Bardas. <laughs> he Bardis. lives, he he was living in southern Utah at that time outside of a, of a, a national park called Capitol Reef National Park. Uh, near the Henry Mountains and near Escalante and um, yeah in that part of the country if you will in the, the that part of southern Utah and I called him and I was like I need to come out there how can I get a job he's like you for sure can he hooked me up with the guy that who does all the interviews and hiring I he called me and three days later he basically was like yeah you're hired when can you come out and I gave him I basically put my two weeks in and after two weeks actually one week before I was done, after I'd put my two weeks in, I got fired from YMCA store nice. camp. It's the only job I've ever been fired from in my life. Who did you have sex with? <laughs> ah, right. I wish it would have been like that. No, it had to do with uh, one of the students who was 18 because I was in charge of the volunteer program and those volunteers would come in on the weekend. And he was 18 and I met him. We had two sides of the camp and in between was this huge lake and it was called Stony Lake, bro. And uh, there was the north side and the south side of the camp. So you did drugs with somebody? No. I, I did drugs with lots of people on that camp, but I did not do drugs with like a student or anything. This kid met up with me like we were supposed to. We had dinner, and he was supposed to drive around, drive himself around to the south side. And he never showed up, and I should have probably done more about it, but I didn't really think much of it. And um, the dad actually called and was like, hey... I know he knew me and he was like, Hey, don't, this isn't Marcus's fault. This is my son. He's been being pretty rebellious. Don't come down on Marcus any or or whatever. And the director was like, Nope, he's gone. So wait, what did the kid do? (laughs) The kid just went like and hung out with his friends and went home the next day. What happened to the boat? What boat? No, no, he drove. Oh, he drove. drove. (laughs) I thought you guys met in the middle of the boat. (laughs) No, in the middle of the lake. We met in the, at the dining hall on the North side. So you were supposed to drive him home. No, he was supposed to drive himself around to where all the volunteers stay, which is on the south side of the camp. There's this big, huge house that all of, all of them would stay in, and like a bunkhouse. Yeah, probably. I just don't understand that. what did you do wrong. Like, what, yeah. was, what was your responsibility after your meeting? I should have treated it as if he got in a car accident or got lost and let but the parents know it. and let the director know. Oh. But instead, I was just like, Whatever, this kid's 18, he, he's going to do what he wants to do. Big, oh, gotcha. Big boy, big choices. Right, exactly. <clears throat> All right, moving on. So you go to... Utah. You, you hang out with Bardis. Yep, I go to move to southern Utah. Capital, outside Capitol Reef. Yep, I pack all my stuff. Everything that I owned at that time fit inside of my four-door Saturn that I owned at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that car more than my car. No, no. Yeah, Saturn, man... Oh, I loved man. that car actually. I there was nothing wrong with that ride. I appreciated it. At that time it was the nicest car I'd ever owned. <laughs> and this was like two thousand two. I can't wait to have that feeling. That's right. awesome. So uh what do you remember the agency you were working for at the time? In Utah? Yeah. Uh the the name of that uh program was Aspen Achievement Academy. And they were in Loa, Utah. Loa. What yep. was what was the directive? Uh, it was a wilderness will will willed will wilderness therapy program, and so the kids would come out there for like they would be out there between thirty and sixty days. And just, what's that? Was this like a summer camp? No, this was like the kids were sent out there via their parents. They weren't sent out there because they were court ordered or anything like that, but they were sent out there because they were like oppositional defiant had drug problems depression the depression part we can get into later we shouldn't have been accepting because we as staff members weren't able to really cope with that yeah Yeah. that wasn't your training yeah it wasn't our training sure and backstory like not backstory but side note every week once a week a therapist would come out and work with each kid individually Hmm. but anyway and so those kids when they'd get sent here to this pro sent there to that program they would wake up in the middle of the night like around three or four in the morning and there'd be two gentlemen usually men standing at the end of the bed and were they they in fatigues i don't know i don't think so i think they were just dressed normally and they were basically like 
you have five minutes to get dressed and you're coming with us. Where they put a bag over their head. <laughs> and they'd hit them with soap sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so they would uh, be like, you got five minutes to get your clothes. Mm-hmm. And then when they got to you. Yeah, what would they show up with? Yeah. Like, what do, what, do, what do kids pack when they have five minutes? Like, so they're, they're Game the Boy? No, that's the thing. Like, they weren't allowed to bring anything. They just had to get dressed. And then, and then they got, if they were far enough away, they would get on a plane and fly to Salt Lake. Two people would pick them up in Salt Lake. They'd drive them down and they would... They would be basically, not basically, they would be strip searched. They'd have, if they were a male, they'd have to lift the sack, bend over, spread Whoa. their cheeks. Um, female, I mean, you can kind of... It sucks being under 18. Right. Yeah. And what the, the big thing, like people might be going like, well, that's not right. The parents would basically sign parental privilege sure. over to us because there were, there, are to, there, were, there are times in that program where if a kid would try to run away, we would go through this, these five steps with him or her. And once that fifth step was met and they still weren't compliant, we would have, we would have to become physical with them in the sense that we would, we would restrain them and not in a way that was at all harmful. We were never like knees in the back, like a cop or anything like that. But we would like, grab we would do these different like wrist bends with them did you put them in a naked pyramid like an abu Ghraib? <laughs> no i don't no, i don't know what that means no waterboarding <laughs> no waterboarding <laughs> ever um jeez i feel like we went off a little tangent there but so, so they would uh they, so, they yeah go ahead so you they would they'd get i mean so these they, are th- these are parents that are at their wits end yeah i don't know what to do with this kid i'm struggling yep they hire your agency. They get the body snatchers to take them, put them on a plane. <laughs> yep. They go out there. They go through. I guess they go Wait, through. Chris Huckabee is there. <laughs> yes. They yeah. go. Th- they go through an intake process yep. of exactly. some sort, and they then get, and then they're given they're given clothes. They're they're given clothes and all the things that they need to survive. So they're giving given a sleeping mm-hmm. bag. They're not given a backpack though. What they're given is a tarp, and they're given cordage. Or not cordage. They're given a tarp and seatbelt webbing. And what they have to do is we teach them once the program puts their backpack, that backpack, it's called a mouse pack, together for them when they get driven into the field to see us. So backstory or side note, (laughs) they get flown down there. They go through the intake process. So within like 8 to 10 to 12 hours, depending on where they are, Mm -hmm. They're woken up in their bed and with, with, by the, so say they woke up at four in the morning by 10 at night, they're in the middle of the desert with a group of other kids, their age and two to three staff members, depending on the size of the group. Yeah. What, what are the, what was the size of the group typically? It was, I think the ratio was one to four. So we would typically have, but we would typically have 10 or 11 students. So there was almost always three staff members in every group. So, Okay. Gotcha. So, so a group of 12 and then three people. Yeah. Group of 10 or 11 and then three people. Gotcha. And three staff members. So they have their mouse pack. Yep. They're out in the middle of nowhere of wherever. And what, like what's the typical response when you fate, when you're face to face with them? Also, you you can imagine, I'm sure if you were woke up at 14, 15, 16, 17, and someone was like, Hey, you got to come with us. So some of them would show up and they'd, they were partying the night before, and they would be still. Wait, how were they? Were, how were they were partying? Maybe who knows? Sometimes we couldn't tell. Like it could have been ecstasy, or. But or they were. How whatever. were they? How were they partying? Were they at a hotel? No, no, no. Like so, they were the night before they got woken up at four oh, in the whoa. morning. Okay, yeah. so they could just be withdrawing, hungover. Exactly, exactly. So they would be withdrawing or hungover. They would be extremely disoriented and pissed off. And some of them would just be like, some of them, if they weren't super, super upset, like or angry, they would just be st- freaked out, just scared, like what's happening, what's crying, going on. shutting, yep, down, crying, yeah. wanting to run away. And in those instances, like I explained, like lots of times the runners would be the ones that first get there, and the other kids that who had been in the program for a couple of weeks at that point would just be like, "Yep, yeah, he's a runner." It's <laughs> it's so interesting, like all the movies you see about like people that go to jail the the first beginning time and everyone else that's been in jail already. Sure. And not that this is jail. Don't get me wrong, but 
they're everyone's just watching them going, yep, that guy's not going to make it. Or, Are they like fresh fish? Yeah, fresh kind, fish. kind of. They don't pay him any mind though because it's like this, when you first get there for the first two or three days, you don't sit with the group around the fire. You sit behind them and you just observe. That's your mouse phase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of um, skills or activities or therapies are you guys doing so with these kids? It's a lot about responsibility, um, taking care of yourself, and communication. Those were like the three big things. So like in order to eat a hot meal each night, and we would we would still let them eat hot when it was freezing cold outside, they would have to take a bow drill and a top rock, and they would have to, to use that bow drill to and Wait, bust a fire. Hold on. Back up. <laughs> What's a bow drill? What's a top rock? <laughs> so, and how do you bust a fire? <laughs> I can so, bust. Can, like, is it like busting a nut? No, it isn't. Okay. Has nothing I'm gonna to take do my with bow drill and bust a nut. Has nothing nut to do with masturbation <laughs> or sex. Uh, you would so um, you would take just to be as basic as possible. You'd take a branch that was kind of U shaped, not U shaped, but shaped like a bow. And you would tie cordage in between it, and you would take what's called a spindle made out of sage, mm-hmm. and you would have um, your board, which is also made out of sp- sage, and then you would have your top rock. And so you would put the spindle into the the cordage, which is attached to the bow. You put your top rock on top of the spindle. You put that into a, a, a hole that would already have been like started for you. Okay. That they would start themselves. Yeah. And you move the bow back and forth, back and forth, and forth back friction, and forth. Friction. And friction, exactly. So is it the, the cords I've seen where it's like wrapped, is it looped around? Yeah, it's the looped stick. it. Yeah. So it's like the, the stick is, the, the vertical stick is turning really fast. Really fast. Gotcha. And you're putting pressure on it with your yeah. top rock. Yeah. And what happens is all this punks, as we would call it, would yeah. start to form. And inside that punk, it's super flammable. Right. And so the punk would form. And then inside that punk, there'd be a little bit of heat. And as yeah. more and more punk, if you're doing it well enough, it would begin to like smolder. Mm. And so you would take that and you would build a nest, like looks like a bird ne- bird's nest, out of uh, basically um, dried juniper, which is like more or less the bark of the juniper trees right. out there. Yeah. But we'd only, we, we wouldn't rip it to the bark. It would just be like the loose stuff. It's loose stuff you strip off. Yeah. Right. And you would, you would carefully tip it in there and you'd put oxygen on it and it would start that nest on fire. And when that nest was burning, you busted a fire and you were good to go for that night. And so those kid, kids had to do that every single night. What if it was dumping rain? There was exceptions. Yeah. There's exceptions. Okay. Um, then we would usually just get the fire going for them. But at the same time, though, they would have to lay their tarp out and show us they would have a pair of um, Converse All-Stars, a pair of hiking boots, two di- a pair of wool pants, a pair of cargo shorts and cargo pants, and a couple other other middle, m- miscellaneous items. They had to have them all with them. If they were missing any of them, that was like a mark against them. What about, what, about no so- what about socks and underwear? Yeah, they would have their oh, yeah. boxers and all that stuff, too. So, I guess I'm curious, is this program effective? Is there a way to measure it? Absolutely. I mean, definitely, there were probably, for sure, people that were studying these programs and figuring out the effectiveness of these yeah. programs. But from what I would, from what I knew, some of them would go on to like boarding schools, like private schools, and some would just go back home and start their lives over again. But what I witnessed the most, and what I also witnessed before, even with this program, like as a teacher, is that you might notice and, and be able to see that you're getting through to one or two kids for sure. But there would be like four or five others that you could kind of, you would know, like those kids, when they go home a month later, they're going to get what we were, tr- what we were teaching them. And it's going to help them make better decisions and be able to communicate more appropriately and to be able to handle, in a sense, life like better than they could before. Yeah, it's the the latency period where it's like processing and it's like... This is stupid. This is stupid while you're doing it. Exactly. And then when you kind of go back into your... Right. Exactly. Into your natural environment, you you remember these things. You're you're right. it It is a... 
shocking experience. Stuff would happen in your natural life and you'd be like, oh, whoa, this is exactly what Marcus or right. Steve or John were did talking you, about. Did they call you Marcus back then? Uh, they would call me Marcus. Not yeah. Bardis. <laughs> All the staff members would call me Bardis. And so how long you guys are, how long are they out there with their Converse All-Stars and their mouse packs? Uh, so they can, they can graduate levels. They can move up levels until they graduate. Is this a pyramid scheme? Yeah. <laughs> right. They would have to uh, uh, complete certain amounts of, um, so they would still be getting like high school equivalent education oh, every so single credits. day. Oh, so it's credits. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they would have to do certain amounts of work with us. They would also have to do. Um, they would also have to accomplish certain things like that weren't really like written down measurably. It would be like, okay, we would group up as a staff and be like, all right, so and so has been doing such a good job. He's communicating well. He's 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 fully in, engaged in this program and he's working hard. Let's graduate him to the next level. So it'd be like mouse coyote buffalo eagle gotcha and so most of the kids would be coyote almost the whole time were there they were there and then at the end they would be buffalo and there was a few exception that would go coyote to buffalo and when you were buffalo you got your own backpack you didn't have to wrap everything up again anymore and the ones that would make eagle actually could come and sit with the staff and help make decisions on what was going to be going on how many how many how many kiddos reach that? Eagle, I only think I saw like one or two. One or two. Yeah. I have a just a couple quick questions. Sure. Um, is this, these type of programs, something that are still going on today? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. They absolutely are. That's true. And then, The program I worked at, unfortunately, is not going, is not open anymore. Um, and then kind of my final question is, why don't you try to do something like this in Idaho? Um, it's really, really hard. Too much, too too much time away from family and yep. home, and and de- and dealing with those kiddos. And there are a lot of people that do this for a living, like make it a career. But for the most part, I'd say, I'd say more, I'd say almost like eighty or ninety percent of the people that do it, they do it like I did for like a year, maybe yeah. two years, and they're done. So there's there's a program called SUS. Yep. SUS, you know, I, mm-hmm. it's an acronym. I can't remember. It's like Southern. Yep. Seuss, Southern Idaho, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's very similar to that. And there are, there's a lot of rec, there's a lot of recreation outdoor programs, but the liability for insurance is crazy. Um, yeah, Utah, the, the state law, that's part of the reason why so many are there is because they, the laws in that state allow programs like that to yeah. thrive because there's not so much red tape or hoops to jump through. Um, <clears throat> But, they, so, but they're all over the country. They're East huh. Coast, West yes. Coast. Yeah. I've never, I've never, never heard of, heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're in. Cal- I'm sure they're. And I'm sure they're in California. Plenty of Waldorf kids went through these programs. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's like in uh, it. A lot of it is. It's because it's not like you said. It's not kids on probation, so it's parents with disposable. Like they're expensive too. You know they're pretty they're super super expensive. Gotcha. So it's parents that are you pretty know, well off, pretty well off, or like, have really good insurance. It was weird. Right, that right. Our program, we would get a ton of um, longshoremen. Their kids would come to us hmm. because their insurance covered it like one hundred percent. And then there, we would the get union, a ton of people from maybe. yeah, and we would get a ton of people from like um that where their families maybe worked for United or American airlines or something like that, their insurance, the union or whatever they were a part of, like their kids. And it made sense. Like those longshoremen, those, those people that fly planes for a living, like they make good livings, but they're not around a lot. You right, know? Right. Uh, well, so, this is very interesting. Um, how let's, uh, do we need to take a break? Cause I, I, I want to do, oh, how did, Let's do five minute Marcus on how did you come to Idaho? And then we'll take a break, come back with our last segment. All right. Cool. We're taking a break or are we? No, we five minutes. Five Marcus, minutes. Idaho. Oh, right now? Yeah. Yeah. I so thought, sorry, misunderstood. So Utah, you did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then how do you get to this year? So I worked when I was working in Utah. I did that from 06 to 07. So I did it from May of 06 to June of 07. And then 
<laughs> the, the woman I was seeing at the time, we left. Was she one of the students? I'm just joking. Yeah, she was. So do you get, uh, you're out in the field for eight days and then do you get like eight days off or like how does it work? Six days. So you're out, you're in the field from Wednesday to Wednesday and then you're off from Wednesday to Wednesday. Gotcha. Um, So, um, so our plan was we were going to go on a road trip back east to New Hampshire where she's from. Yeah. And we went out there. It was great. And we decided we weren't going to go back to Utah to work, um, partly because I went through a pretty traumatic experience for the, my last, the last couple of weeks of the program. Um, a kid died that was in my, oh, in oh, my wow. group. And then, so we decided, I, and I think I was Wait, during the program. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, actually, he committed suicide. Oh my God. And you, uh, you found him, correct? I did. I found him. Yeah. He had hung himself. He was still alive when I found him. And me and another staff member, I, I sort of lifted him and someone else untied him and we put him in the rescue position and he life flight came in and all the works. And, yeah. Yeah. um, he had been uh, without oxygen. He, he, it only had been like three minutes, three to five minutes, I feel like. And when I, before I had found him, cause they're supposed to say their names every like 10 to 15 seconds while they're going to the bathroom so they don't run away and we know where they're there and so that they don't do exactly Mm -hmm. that and it was like a tuesday everyone was in good spirits and no one no one thought the wiser and uh, one of the students was like hey chris hasn't said his name in a while i was like chris say your name kind of walked out to the edge and i said it again and then i walked out again and i walked a little further and i saw him hanging there and i just sprinted out there and and then it was just kind of chaos for Holy a second shit. after that. <laughs> um, you know, and you mentioned earlier, it's like why the program shouldn't have taken kids that, you know, have like suicidal ideation, depression. Right. That we're sort of we're not, they weren't yeah. the program at that time. And even after they've closed, they, it just wasn't set up for wasn't that. Equipped to yeah. deal with that. Yep. Um, that's not their fault. It's, I mean, they've had plenty, plenty, plenty of kids that have suffered from depression, but sure. none that were like so sick, if you will, yeah. that they were going to try to hurt themselves. Yeah. And if they did, we would, we, there were things we would do to, to mm-hmm. help prevent that. Right. So I went to, after that experience, her name was Ashley. Ashley and I drove across the country from Utah to New Hampshire we stayed in New Hampshire for a couple of weeks and then moved in with my sister who was living in North Carolina at the time and stayed there for like two months in the summer and then realized we did not want to be on the East Coast. We wanted to go back West. So we moved back to Denver. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I lived in Denver for five years. Well, more like six. Uh, Ashley and I broke up in 2010. 2011, I go on this incredible rafting trip on the main of the salmon in Idaho here and come back and that kind of changed my life completely and then about six months later in well no about yeah about so it would have been 2012 I'm sorry about six months later I meet Kara at a Andrew Bird show and in on Colfax in Denver at the Ogden Theater and we hit it off we do the long distance thing for like nine months. Did you have sex with her that night? No. Well, we made out a lot all over Denver. <laughs> like all over. Wait, we just walked around for so like met all her in night. Denver, but she wasn't in, she didn't live No, in she was doing an away rotation. Well, she was going to, she was in her fourth year of medical school in, at the University of South Florida, USF in Tampa. And she was doing a month long rotation in Denver with a friend of hers who went to USF. Gotcha. And so we met. And did the long distance thing, like I just said. And when she matched in, um, when she matched in Boise, she was, we were like, let's do this. And we moved to Boise. So you had, you guys were not living together prior to that. No, we moved in together. We moved in together. That's wild. (laughs) Whoa. That was, that's crazy. There was some growing pains, especially it was, it was less about the relationship. It was more about like me not having a clue about what it was like to be in the medical world. Yeah. So I yeah. knew her in fourth year, as you boys know, as you have doctor sure. as well. Fourth year is 
nothing. You don't. Yeah. You like, they, it's like a, it's like, you, a, it's like work. It, it's well, it's like you almost no work. You're just yeah. vacation when you can. Yeah, it's good. It's like school. It's like I go to school. Right. And second and third year. Or I travel to it's interview. It's insane <laughs> and right. stressful, and all they do is study. Yeah. Let's start first day of residency. It's the same thing. Intern year and and second year. It's this, and third year even. It's incredibly intense all the time. And yeah. I was like, we're never hanging out. It was that sort of thing. Yeah. So it took Whoa. about. It was like six months I, of I, me freaking out a little bit. I had bit. no idea that, that that's what it was like. Cause no. I mean, I w- I did. I was dating Jacqueline her sophomore year of undergrad. So it's like. Oh, so even for you, like residency was still a shock. Well, no, because I've just been used to. Like, oh, so it the wasn't. whole like you're saying that you didn't know what it was like for ones that have been like on the outside. Yeah, like because yeah. I feel like most of the we didn't, this is stupid to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was. Yeah, I it, like. Well, I was married to my wife in med school, and like she was never around. She's like, but residents. It's like it was kind of shitty. Like med schools are like really hard, and then the first year of residency, it was like shittier. I was like, okay, well, everything's gonna be shitty for a long time until she's done. Right. So I had a little bit of expectation, but like you, you I going, mean, going I long nothing. distance and jumping into residency. Yeah, I had nothing. That's but you, wild. You had, you had no had basis to base no. it on. That's wild. All right. Well, uh, let's pause here. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this correctly this time. Yeah. I hit promise. pause, please. We're back for uh, one of my favorite segments that we haven't done in a while. Wets in your wallet. Oh, I'm going to get all up in there. So, just for our newcomers, uh, what's in your wallet is when Will Wetmore deep dives into our guest's wallet. Marcus Belcher. Uh, Wait, you... who's... <laughs> this This segment is sponsored by... Oh, yeah. Our segment is sponsored by... Who, Will? Private Guys. PrivateGuys.info. Private Guys are watching you. Don't hire them. All right. We got a... <laughs> Will's got a wallet in his hand. Um Marcus, can you confirm that you haven't altered, you haven't taken anything out of your wallet, you haven't added it? Everything in there has been in your wallet for most of the day today, to the best of your knowledge. Yeah, I have the only thing I've done with my wallet today was bought a little bit of lunch. Other than that, nothing has been put in or taken out. I actually, (laughs) on on our walk home from the park today, I uh, ordered a little buffalo wild wings and stopped in and grabbed it and then walked the rest of the way to casp nice <laughs> um, what'd you get did you get wings no i got the buffalo chicken ranch wrap was it, was it delicious yeah it's my favorite thing to get okay. there all right, everybody's all right. this is stupid okay so hold on um so first of all I want we'll to, describe the wallet well i want to ask is this can you consider this a wallet is this money more of like a hybrid money clip that's a wallet so it's a wallet that doesn't fold no it's not a, it's a yeah, it's a it's a, it's a single one, sing, singlet. It's a singlet, but it's got multiple pockets, it's got multiple levels. Yeah, it's right. like it's like if you opened your wallet, it'd be like the left side of your wallet, correct? Not the right side of your wallet. Yeah. So it's a one-panel wallet with multiple pockets. Yep, and it's got some stitching on the front, and it's got a little fire, campfire, Ooh. little campfire. Yeah, this is very Marcus. Did you make that with a with some punk in a <laughs> in a bow? No, okay, I did not. Okay, so it's, I, is, I bought it at the place I worked at last year in Salt Lake. Kirkham's and this is a outdoor product. This is a Smathers and Branson. It's leather on one side, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Your leather on one side. All right. So it's a picture of a. It's a picture of a fire. Okay. So what's yeah. our first item? So first item is an Idaho driver's license, and it appears to be a person who has the same face as Marcus, with a much smaller chin. Let me see. What? Well, that's weird. It's his Much beard. His, his, his beard is six inches shorter. Yeah, looks really weird. Yeah, and you look kind of vaguely older. It's strange. In that, yeah, he's in got that picture. Yeah, he's got he's got less gray in the picture of the yeah. beard, but you look younger in real life. You're like uh, re- you're like Mountain Man Benjamin Button. Huh. I'm reversing. Benjamin's buttoning it. Okay, that's boring. Move on. Whoa, I got a question. Why is your address the same as John Munn's address? Because <laughs> when we first moved back to Boise, I needed to get a new driver's license. And at that time, we did not have a permanent address. So that's what I used. You should have used like Suite 102 because it was up in the headquarters. Oh, yeah. 
That's fantastic. Okay. Um, Andy, you were living there. And yep. you have, hey, you're a commercial driver's license. Yeah, I have, a, I have a CDL. So you can drive. Whoa, you have a CDL. Do you, what class? Just class A. I can't do oh, air brakes. It says, it says class C on here. Oh, class C, sorry. I can't do air brakes. Um, I can only drive up to like 20 some passengers. Uh, is that, a, is that, a, is that a separate a, driving test? I have a class C also. You really? You could drive the cast bus then. Yeah, I can drive, but we, you, <laughs> we we can't drive. Um, where there's like a hitch. Yeah. Does there. that mean yeah. you guys are average drivers? No, we're above average. Yeah, we why, is are. It, why is it C? Why isn't it class A? Because class A is uh, C is actually the best. Yeah, class A is like over the top. It's like arm wrestling yeah. semi driver. It's like Sylvester Stallone comes in yeah. and yells at you for a while. Okay, continue. Let's, let's this, not do is, that. this is great. Okay, next we have a Perea gift card. Ooh. Yeah. Perea. <laughs> How much money is on it? Uh, there's only like three bucks now. That was given to me by a parent because once a month the parents give us uh, just little like appreciation things like, hey, thanks for working with my, my son or my daughter. So, quick poll. Everybody's thoughts on Perea Go? Uh, I love it. I've been stabbed. I've thrown up in there, and I've been stabbed in the face with a candy cane. <laughs> Priya itself is the bar itself is. I like it that bar a lot. The food, I only really these days, occasionally eat a breakfast burrito there, and occasionally eat like a, a dinner burrito. Here's the thing about Priya: if the if you don't like the food, it's your fault because you literally control what goes on it. No, that's not true. Uh, so I am hit you or control miss. How it's cooked? Though. I am hit or miss with the food. When you get a good Priya burrito, it's delicious. Yes. Yep. But sometimes the rice is like crusty, and yeah. they're it. Yeah. It's just it's just it's frustrating because it could be it could be like top tier. Yeah. The location, yeah. what they offer, yep. the bar, and the yep. build your own burrito and the specialty burritos, but it like underperforms. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. It's got like, it a lot of potential and underperforms. So uh, one last thing about Priya, uh, Jay, the bartender. Uh, best bartender in all of Boise. He's the man. I love Jay. Jay, hope day. Hopefully, you listen to this podcast and uh, and you hear what I'm saying. Jay, you rock. Jay, it's great. Jay rock. Jay rock. Okay, uh, next, Blue Cross of Idaho. That's my insurance. It's my uh, health so insurance guys, through my do school. Do you guys want the number? Do not do that. <laughs> Fucking Obamacare. Next. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, everybody knows what it looks like. Next up, ooh, it's a piece of paper. It's a bit. Oh, it's his first ARD, first aid uh, card. It's my CPR first aid card. CPR card. What's uh? How many? What's what? What is it? Beat to pushes. Uh, it's it's uh thirty and two. Trick question. You don't do pushes anymore. No, you don't do breaths anymore. Oh, you don't do breaths anymore. You just do chest compressions. Yeah. Oh, good because I wasn't. That, well actually you're just making out with that kid so you go you go one no you do, do uh, you do uh, breaths uh, you do no, you 30 don't. you do 30 compressions uh, and no. two breaths i promise you cpr now there's no breaths it's just to keep the heart Hold going on. Can we, can i we, just restarted uh, last june no you didn't because you're wrong can we back up for a second yeah you're not supposed to put your mouth on a dying person <laughs> not anymore it's the it's more important to keep the blood circulating that's so you just push on the heart that's all I want to do is put my mouth on a dying person, though. I hate you. Um, so, you did do this last year. I think, you, I think you're misremembering from your 50 times you had to do this. Maybe I am. Because I'm pretty sure it's just compressions now. Somebody, yeah. somebody let us know. Well, yeah. maybe one of our wives will tell us. Yeah, somebody email in to wetmonpodcast at gmail. I believe so. It's been so long. Dot com. <laughs> you guys have an email address? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you guys are be, big time. We have a Facebook big page. Time. And we have a Facebook page. And a Twitter. We do have a Twitter. I'm going to start tweeting things. Wetman Podcast. Okay, uh, then we have... This has to be useless. VIP Pro Deal Camp Chef. Uh, yeah, it's not useless, but I'll, I should get rid of that. No, right? it, that... Is, it is useless because it expired six months ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got one thing out of the wallet. Well, I keep it in there because it helps hold stuff in. So let's keep it over there. Wait, what? No, no. Get something better than like upgrade that card to something better. 
Or like, just put a put a picture of your wife in, in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come. Uh, Wells Fargo. Big that, card. That's a card that has been paid off that I never use anymore. So it's a credit card. Yep. Should we cut it in half? Uh, yeah, you could. Oh shit! Go get. All right. Well, right. we cut cut a credit card. Um. <coughs> yeah. Why Wells Fargo? They suck. They do suck. Unless they want to sponsor us. And yes. then. <laughs> This is a piece of paper. It's a post-it note folded in half, and it's got looks like a internet password. No, it's a pro deal code. MHWC. It's a pro deal code. For what? For when I for uh, like sixty percent off of some pants that I wanted to get, which I did, <clears throat> then put them back in there and forgot to take it out. Can we cut it in half? I'm just gonna rip it. Useless. Oh God! You guys are gonna ruin the balance of my well, wallet. You know, you'll get used to it. <clears throat> Change is good. Next, oh, supercut. <laughs> Buy twelve There's, haircuts, yeah. get one free. How many yeah. stamps are on it? He's got. It's got seven. It's over halfway. It's pretty sweet when you walk in and you're like, "Hey, here's my free haircut." I'm pretty sure Kara could cut your hair for free. Nope. Really? No. Not. Why not? I just, I just like going there. I'd rather get them to do it than bother Carol with it. You've spent $175 in haircuts. Where do you get your yeah. haircut, Will? It's, it's 20 bucks a pop. Will, you where you do don't you, tip them? Will, where I do tip you get them your 10 haircut? bucks, yeah. So I have gotten my haircut by a hair professional less than five times. Who cuts your hair? My mom cut my hair growing up. And Jacqueline cuts her hair. Jacqueline cuts her hair? Yeah. Your hair looks really good every time. How did, what does she do? <laughs> My hair's easy butt. to cut. It's wavy. It it's, doesn't matter what she does. Yeah. Because it's... Does she, bu- like she bust some, buzz some stuff? She, she does scissors? all scissors. Whoa. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> Fuck. I wish I looked that good. Uh, I get... I'm sports clips, but it's really easy. I used to go to sports clips so all I'm the saying, time. Like, Super I, cuts to me is can, better. Can I cut your guys' hair for five bucks a pop? No. No, because I like a fade. Let me try. Let me give me one chance. Sure. And if you like it, I'll cut your hair. For how much money? Five bucks. All and right. a beer. Five bucks okay. and a beer. All right. Next. Next thing in the wallet. Okay. <laughs> Getting distracted. Uh, Boggs. <laughs> That's a pro deal card. You guys don't understand. Last year, Boggs aren't they boots? Yeah, I had two no, no, jobs. I, thought Bogs, I had two Bogs jobs where slam on the table. I would get Pogs, I had pro deals through both jobs, and all these reps would come in and give us so much stuff, and I would just save it and be like, someday maybe I'll buy these. Woo! Is it ex- is it expired? <laughs> so expired. Is it but really? I don't think you should Dang. rip these up. Sometimes like the, the no, stupid no, no. Car- those stupid passwords don't ever expire. You guys, stupid. Okay, now it's Smith. Johnny. Smith. This is another pro deal. Mm -hmm. Smith sunglasses? Don't tear that one up. Cat? What? Your phone. Oh, it's it's tight. Okay, so another another pro deal. So we have seven things out and it's four pro deals. I told you. I had two jobs that I got pro deals through. Yeah. Venture. You guys don't understand. Pro deals are... You get 60% off of so much gear. It's like amazing. Venture capital card. Cut it up. Cut it up. Is this just a credit card they don't use? No, we use that. That's the credit card I use. That's a joint account between Kara and I. Oh. What's your credit limit? I mean, yours, not your card, but like, what what does Kara give you? Let's let's order. I want a case of butt plugs. (laughs) If you do that. She gets emails to her, like text messages to case her of phone plugs, every time that's used. A case of Mencia wine. So that I don't go and do shit like that. Because I would just be like, let's order 17 pizzas. And I want a fucking <laughs> capuchin monkey. That's it. It won't be that much. All right, last card in the world's most boring wallet. Yeah, it's not a great wallet. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, just your debit card. Well, yeah. Fargo, change your bank. I know. Get, get Idaho Central Credit Union. Work. I know. I need to. Kara keeps Idaho, telling me to do that. Idaho Independent Bank. My wife, Kara, keeps yeah. telling me either, to do that. Either one. Just get away from... Nobody needs to be a Wells Fargo member. No. I'm I sorry, agree. Wells Fargo. Hey, Will. Hey, bud. Uh, tell us about Mencia Wine real quick. It's a... 
very balanced, delicious, everyday wine that you can get a good wine for good value. And you could show up at a party and impress everybody with a wine they've never heard of. Drink it. Buy it. Love it. Hey, Marcus Belcher. Hey, Johnny Munn. Uh, I love you, and I'm glad... I love you too, bud. ...you moved from Michigan to Utah to, to Idaho. To Denver. To Denver to Colorado to to here. Marcus Belcher. Thank you. Thanks for uh, having me on the cast, guys. Thank you. Good night, America. Good night.